have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Isaiah. We are going to be in chapter 52, starting in verse 1. The book of Isaiah was written by Isaiah himself, and it was during a time in history in which we call the divided kingdom. There were two parts that made up this time. It was uh, the northern ki kingdom, which we call Israel. And then we had the, the southern kingdom, which we call Judah. It was just a very messy time. There was lots of fighting, lots of sin, lots of destruction, and lots of turmoil. But God, God is in his goodness. He sent the prophet Isaiah to Judah with a powerful message that I have summarized into three points. So get ready, buckle up as we, divide, as we dive into the book of Isaiah because Isaiah is viewed as one of the greatest prophets. And he is, his name actually means the Lord saves. So let's just quickly talk about these three points and just, just to let you know, for the note takers in the group here, this is gonna be an awesome day, okay? <laughs> so get your pencils ready and, and your phones or whatever it is that you take notes with, but get ready. Um, purpose number one, Isaiah came to warn Judah and the other nations that God's judgment was coming on their sin. Chapters one through three are heavy as they contain bold warnings about the coming judgment for those who do not clean up their act. <laughs> there is absolutely no sugarcoating in these chapters. We're not gonna be looking at those today, but I encourage you to read those. Purpose number two, Isaiah came to prophesy that God would redeem a group of Jews and send them out to be light to the nations. I absolutely love this passage. Um, and this uh, purpose, because God planned to raise up a remnant of broken people. He planned to restore and redeem them so that they can be the light in the dark world. And purpose number three, Isaiah came to tell that God's promise to send a Messiah, that God promises to send a Messiah to be the savior of the world so that we can have a future full of hope. Today's message is simply titled, Hope. What is hope, exactly? I looked this up in the dictionary, and here is what I found. Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. As a verb, the definition includes to expect with confidence. With that in mind, I invite everyone to stand with me as we read God's word. We will be in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 1 through 2. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, O captive Jerusalem. Rid yourself of the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Just let us pray. God, 
We just praise you and we thank you that you are a good God. And through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we have been clothed in righteousness. And because of this, we can be a people filled with hope, a hopeful expectation. Oh God, I just pray that the words I speak today would only be your words. And that those listening, either here or online, that their hearts would be wide open to receive what you would have for them, that they could be saturated in his word like never before. May this day be a day of renewed strength and breakthrough in which we could begin to walk with a confident hope like never before. God, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, I am so excited for today. Um, go ahead and have a seat, and thank you very much. All right. So how many of you have ever done a home renovation project? Yeah? Yeah, I see a few hands. All right, so how many of you have ever decided to take on a do-it-yourself project with your spouse? Yeah? Okay. There's a few hands in here. Um, yeah, that's fun stuff. So then you can relate with me when I say this is a perfect opportunity to strengthen your marriage, right? Yeah, or not, or not, okay. So a couple of years ago, I got this idea to refresh our kitchen and dining room area. It sounded like such an incredibly fun project that Mark and I could do together, right? And being the experienced cabinet maker that Mark is, it was just gonna be a piece of cake. It sounded really super good to me, but I had gotten the feeling that Mark didn't really see it the same way I did. But after about a year of just talking and talking and talking about this, um, Mark finally agreed that this would be a fun project. You know, he might tell you that <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of nagging, but no, that's not it. I, it was a simple <laughs> suggestion, that's it. And so, um, yeah, we, we decided to dive in this together. And so other than laying the new flooring that um, we planned, so other than laying the new flooring, we planned to do everything together um, our, and ourselves. <laughs> and when I say we, I mean mostly Mark. <laughs> yeah, because I had no idea. I had no idea where to start. I had no idea how much work this was gonna be at all. All I had was this incredible picture of what the final project was gonna look like. And I was so excited and I could just couldn't stop talking about it. Anyway, we went to pick out the flooring and we just got on the schedule, the installation schedule, and we made sure that we had plenty of time to get this done because we would be working on this after um, we worked. So in the evenings and a little bit on the weekends, that's how we were gonna be spending our free time. And so, um, and so in the meantime, um, after we scheduled the install, in the meantime, we decided just to pull up a little portion of the floor, just kind of to see um, how much work it would be and if we had the right tools. You see the floor we had? It was ceramic tile. Yeah. So um, the floor was, had these little squares, and each little square was cemented down individually, and it had like grout around it. And so it wasn't just an easy, let's just pull this up and bring it out in the garage. No, that wasn't the case. So um, my, <laughs> my dear husband decided, uh, went to chisel up the floor, and what happens when you chisel up ceramic tile, it, 
It shatters in a million pieces all over the place, and it was messy. And it was at that time when I realized, oh my gosh, this is going to be a lot of work. But you know what? We got plenty of time. We got plenty of time, you know, working after, after work and on the weekends, where the floor isn't coming for quite some time. So, you know, I, I took comfort in that. Oh, gosh. But then an unexpected illness entered our home, and it is called COVID. And it wiped us out for weeks, like just wiped us out. And not only were we sick for those weeks, but we had that lingering effect of fatigue. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't, can't even explain what that was like. Um, and as we were covering, the time was coming near for the floor to come, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we can do this. So I called the company to see if we could perhaps reschedule, and they were already out for a year or, or better. I can't remember, but it was a long time. And it wouldn't have been a big deal, except we already had this great big hole in the floor. <laughs> and it's like there is no turning back. And so we moved forward with the project. Okay, we can do this, right? And so we began to chisel up the floor, and what that looked like was Mark did the chiseling, and I did the scooping up and putting everything in a pail and, and carried it out in the garage and kept things clean so we could keep moving. And as he chiseled, there was just millions of busted up pieces, like I said before, and um, here's where our marriage began to get strengthened, right? <laughs> right? Because... Um, I'm getting cranky at him, and I'm telling him, can't you be more careful? Stop making such a mess. <laughs> and my husband, in his quiet way, just ignored me. So I just moved on. He didn't hear me. He probably didn't hear me with all the noise, but whatever the, whatever the reason, he didn't respond. Anyway, we got the floor done, and it was good, and it looked awesome, and I was excited and then I stood there and I looked around at the cabinets. And I'm like, no, you know what, Mark? These cabinets look awesome. We don't need to redo this ca these cabinets. And he is an all or nothing kind of person. And so he's like, no, nope, we're going to finish what we start. <laughs> we already got the mess. So anyway, let's just get it done. So yeah, we dismantled the cabinets. And, and we brought the doors out to the shed, and the, the frames of the cabinets stayed in the house and the pantry, but everything in them came into the living room, and that's where it sat for a while. And we began to sand down the oak finish. And the finish that we had picked out was, um, was a white lacquer finish with a distressed black within the panels. And so the process to get it look like that is an ugly process, let me tell you. So we got it sanded out down, and it was messy, and it was dusty, and then we put the black layer on. <laughs> and we sanded that down, and it got messy, and about seven layers of sanding and painting and sanding and painting, our house was covered in dust, and it was messy. There was, we had things covered, but it was getting underneath, and it was so messy. And I stood there at one point, and I'm like crying. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this, right? I became paralyzed in regret. And I began to remember all the nicks and the gouges in the cabinets that come from raising children. And I began to just remember um, the stain that was on the countertop that um, was left because I colored Easter eggs with our daughters. And I remembered this stain in the other corner and that I left fruit sit for too long and it rotten and it turned this funny, ugly color. I don't think I ever told Mark that, but he knows now. 
but that's what that was from. And I remembered a, a chip in the floor where Mark dropped a hammer. And as you can see, um, I just began to remember all the things. I was lingering in the past season. Regret took over, sadness and that feeling of defeat began to take hold. I lost sight of the finish line. And this is where Mark and I began to switch um, our focus. You see, I lost sight of the finish line and was buried under the dust. I couldn't see anything else. But Mark was now holding the picture of the end product. And he simply said, there is absolutely no way we can turn back now. So keep going, we are almost done. That is where many of us are at today. Covered in dust from a season that has changed us and is still changing us. It's changing us emotionally. It's changing us spiritually. It's changing us financially, mentally, and even physically. Going back to what once was just isn't going to happen because things are different. It's not an option. But settling for what we are, where we're at now, and continually revisiting the past will only blind us to God's provision, his purposes and promises of a future filled with hope. God is speaking to us today through the prophet Isaiah. Let's circle back to Isaiah 52 and unpack this a little bit. I love this passage. It is right to the point. Isaiah is speaking hope over the nation of Judah and encouraging them to press on towards the promises of God. Perhaps they had grown numb to everything around them, but here is what Isaiah says, right? Awake. Not once does he say that, but he says it twice. Awake, awake. But he doesn't stop there. He tells them to move. He tells them to put on strength, God's strength. Put on beautiful garments. We see this again in one of the writings from Apostle Paul. He writes something similar when he's encouraging the church of Ephesus. It is written, throw off your old nature and your former way of life. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I love the common theme in these two passages. Both Paul and Isaiah view their audience through the lens of being, remade, being made new. And they are encouraging them to move forward in this newness and to view themselves through that lens of how God has remade them new. They may not feel that way because their circumstances have changed them. They are different. But the truth is they are a new creation. And the key for them to walking forward is to view themselves from that platform. Let's circle back to Isaiah 52, chapter 2. It says, shake yourself from the dust 
O rise, O captive Jerusalem. Rid yourself of the chains around your neck. He basically is telling them it is okay to move on. And again, we hear something similar when Moses and the Israelites were camped out on Mount Sinai while wandering in the wilderness. God spoke to Moses, and here is what he said in Deuteronomy. Moses writes, When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God says to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. God wasn't telling them just to physically pack up and leave. He was asking them to trust him in the wilderness season and let go of discouragement. Let go of complaining. Let go of the idea of what they thought things were supposed to look like. Stand up, shake off the dust. God is saying, I have something better for your future. There is another very interesting verse in Luke's gospel that I want to share with you today. In Luke 17, Jesus was talking to his disciples about the coming kingdom. He told them things would get hard, but he emphasized the importance of moving forward and fixating their eyes on the promises of God. And he encouraged them with a warning in verse 32 through 33. Here is what it says. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. <laughs> when I read this passage, I was like, what on earth happened to Lot's wife? Doesn't she have a name? And what does this all mean? You see, there is only one woman that Jesus tells us to remember in the four Gospels, and that is Lot's wife. So we have to believe that this is something very significant for each one of us today. And the only thing we know about Lot's wife comes from Genesis 19. And it was during the time that Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed because of the wickedness and iniquity that was rampant during this time. Here is what I love about God. He sends angels to personally escort Lot and his family to safety. Here is what is written in Genesis 19. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot's wife looked back and she was following behind him when she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. In the middle of a burning city, with an angel 
sent by God to escort her. All, wife, all Lot's wife had to do was continue to look and move forward. Her attachment to the past was greater than her hope in the future. Her longing for what she was leaving behind was greater than God's provision, his purposes, and promises that lied ahead. This misplaced longing led her to linger in a season that was finished, and ultimately she got stuck in a place that she was only meant to pass through. Many of us are longing and lingering in something that God has asked us to leave behind. It is hard to step into the unknown, but let's not forget what God revealed to the prophet Isaiah. You see, God is in the business of redemption. He is raising up a remnant of broken people to build up the kingdom of God. You see, the degree in which we are willing to embrace the pain of change is the degree in which we will be united to Jesus. It is time to arise. Dust off defeat. Dust off bitterness. Dust off whatever is blinding us to our new selves, the newly created people. Because that prior season, the truth is it has developed a strength in us that is needed to move forward into all that God has called us to be. There is one last scripture passage that I want to share with you today. It has been a passage that's been on my heart for quite some time. And it has completely changed. Not only the way that I view myself, but the way I view the world and the circumstances around me. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the old wineskins, and both the wine and the skins would be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. It's like reading a book. We start out with great expectation and anticipation about what's to unfold in this story. We find chapter one to be a little slow but inviting at the same time. We step into chapter two, and that's a bit boring, but we believe there has to be more. So we head into chapters three and four and the story is picking up, and it is good, and it is exciting, and we want to move forward. But we get to chapter 5, and we are gut-punched, right? We're like, whoa, what just happened there? Ugh, this doesn't feel good. It'd be awesome to go back to chapters 3 and 4. Those were good chapters. Those were good times. But we remember that there's more to the story and the author isn't finished. So we dive into chapter six. 
and we're double gut punched. This is not at all good anymore. We want to quit. And in fact, this makes chapter five look like a piece of cake. We begin to long for the goodness of chapters three and four. And you know what? To be quite honest, we would settle for the boringness of chapters one and two. But the thing is, there is no turning back. There is no turning back because chapters one through six have changed us in such a way that we are different and it would not work to step back into that season, back into those chapters. So we have a choice to make. Do we sit in the now? Do we linger in the past? Or do we finish the book? Each chapter represents a new wine skin season. My friends, the church is in a new wineskin season. And by the church, I don't mean a building. I mean a people. You see, the church is not a destination. It is an identity, and it is bigger than this, this right here. We are the body of Christ, and we are in a new wineskin season. God is asking us to rise up and put on strength dust ourselves off, throw off the heavy chains, and step into all that he would have for us. We can be a people filled with hope, for it is written that God is the author and finisher of our faith, and he does not change, and he does not lie, and he will not leave us. You see, the beautiful thing is the crucifixion it led to a resurrection. And in this life, suffering leads to redemption. Loss leads to restoration. Letting go of the old leads to grabbing hold of the new. In this, we can have hope in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Music team, will you please come up? Where do we go from here? How do we move forward? There are three simple things I'm going to challenge you with. Number one, get in the Bible every day. I'm not talking about a devotional book. While those are good, they're not meant to replace the written word of God because God's word is alive and he speaks to us through that. No more excuses. No more I don't have time. No more I don't understand it and I don't know where to start. We have a room here filled with people who would love to do a Bible study with you. We have life groups happening. We have a pastoral staff that is waiting at the edge of their seats to help you get started on this journey. You see, the thing is, if we aren't filling our minds with biblical truth, the world will fill it with something else. Number two, 
It actually feeds off of number one. Surround yourselves with people who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Studies show that in a few years, you're gonna look like the person you spend the most time with. That is why number one is so important. When we are in God's word, we become like him. And so if we spend time with people who are also spending time with him daily, we build up the body of Christ. Iron sharpens iron. And number three is the result of the first two. It is an overflow. As we become like Jesus, we are free to view ourselves through the lens of heaven. God becomes bigger and our circumstances and our lives become smaller. So please stand with me. The music team will be leading us in a song shortly. And so together, let us invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to minister in a new way. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to saturate us in God's word as he speaks to us. You see, we the church have been through a season of being wind whipped and body slammed all over the place and we are covered in dust. But today we don't stay there. We boldly stand up and wipe off the dust. And under that dust, we see a shiny new creation created to be like Jesus. Now I am not talking from a platform of in theory, this is what it looks like. I have walked this and I'm here to tell you that God does not forsake or abandon us. Imagine with me throwing aside the chains that have kept us bound to a past season. You see those chains? We can throw them off because the blood of Christ has busted them. But we need to move. We need to throw them off. And we are free now to take hold of Jesus' hand and step in to the new wineskin season. If you feel like you are just coming out of a season where you're still in the midst of a season and you feel wind whip and you feel tired, I want you to raise your hands that you feel like God is knocking on your hearts, but you don't have the strength to move on. Go ahead and raise your hands. We're gonna pray over you today. God sees you. He knows the struggles. He's making you new so that you can step in to the new wineskin season. Father God, I pray, I pray for an outpouring of strength, courage, and boldness to step forward 
in the direction that you would have for the people here today. God, help them to know that they are not alone and that you see them, that you meet them right where they're at. And God, that you are redeeming them. You are restoring them. You are making them new. You are a good God and you finish what you start. So strength is what we are asking for today. And we never want to end a service without um, giving you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. So if you're here today and you're wondering, what does this new creation look like? And you're ready to surrender your life and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. I ask just for a moment of privacy if everyone would just close their eyes. And those who want to have us pray with you to receive Jesus and accept his saving grace today, put up your hands and we're going to pray with you. right now and all of us together can just repeat after me these are not magic words these are a simple prayer of complete surrender to God Father God I give you my life thank you for sending Jesus to die for me forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. We wanna celebrate that today. Awesome God, as we leave today, we put our hope and trust in you. We receive your saturation of the word of God. Help us to abide in your word and let let it guide us into our new wineskin season. God, in your powerful name we pray, amen.